it's really important to me. I love the harp, I love music, and I just think even if the gig doesn't feel like it's where you want to be or if it's not yeah. the most dazzling, wowing gig in the world, I think it's just really important to create beautiful things and do your absolute best and you never know. Today I'm talking to the harpist Glinda Alloway. Hi, Glinda. Hi there. It's so lovely to meet you on Zoom. Um, I, I mm. wish it could have been in person, but maybe one day we will meet in person. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But in the meantime, Zoom's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. No, it's it's great. But um, your uh, harp is there with you, and I'm so happy yes, that you yeah. did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always there. It's got to be in the background, hasn't it? It's so so beautiful. Yeah, I, I mean, the harp is a, is a big instrument. And uh, do mm. you take the harp with you um, everywhere? Yeah, I do. So unfortunately, the harp, whilst being big, it's not really like a piano or something like that where they usually have oh. it there. So um, part of my life as a professional harpist is packing it up, putting it in the car, unpacking it, putting it back in. Um, so it happens a lot. Um, but you get used to it. It's part of the job. Mm. So um but yeah. is it easy? Is it easy to carry? I mean, you don't carry it; you push it. Push it exactly. So I've got a lovely specialist harp trolley that it wheels onto. It's not so bad as long as it's on the flat. If if um someone has stairs, that's that's never very fun if you have to carry it upstairs. But other than that, it's usually okay on a trolley in a lift. That's all fine. Yeah, but I assume yeah. if, if it's a part of you know you you must have been doing it for so many years that it's you're so used to it now yeah exactly you often end up with people offering to help which is always so so lovely but actually it's usually easier if I just do it by myself because I'm used to it I'm used to how it works and um when I'm when I'm at home I always load it in myself at my end so it's easier to do that by myself for the most part harps are funny instruments and they're quite oddly balanced, so when someone grabs oh. the other end, they can <laughs> they can tip oh. quite easily. Yeah, yeah. I I think now that you must be uh, your eyes must always look out for a lift when you're in the building. <laughs> <laughs> always, <laughs> always. <laughs> always yeah it's one of my first questions when someone asks to work with me I just say is there a lift how big is it because some lifts particularly in London there are these teeny tiny oh, yeah. old old lifts and they don't always work so well so um if someone says to me there's a lovely big lift in a building that's like heaven that's what every harpist wants to <laughs> every harpist wants to hear that you know, it's, yeah. these, it's these things, it's these behind the scene things that we really don't always think about, um, yeah. you know, because because if you're not dealing with it every day, then you, you see the harpist on stage with the harp and but you never think, OK, how did that get there? Or, you know, how does she have her everyday life with with the harp? But now. um so tell me, how did it start for you? I mean, what was the inspiration to start playing the harp? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question because I have what I like to think is quite a magical story about how I mm. um, came to the harp in that um, I knew since I was tiny that I wanted to play it. I'm not sure 
where I first saw it, saw it I don't have a specific memory of that but mm. um one of my sisters my older sister's friend she played the harp so maybe that was a bit of an influence but um asked my parents and it was a ridiculous instrument really it's really big it's not a cheap instrument to get into no. so that was a no-go for me and I learned um piano first and then violin subsequently after that um never really thought I'd be a harpist but when I was 10 I was playing violin in a church and this elderly lady came up to me she was 91 at the time and she said I'm a harp teacher I think you're a harpist can I teach you and that was that from then on my parents literally couldn't say no she was the most lovely soul um Dorothy Pettit her name was and she carried on teaching right up until she was almost 100 and even still carried on playing until um right until the end of her life she died when she was 104 so um, really incredible lady yeah (laughs) wait a minute this story is amazing but did this woman know that you wanted to play the harp no I don't think so she'd just somehow in her she said she just sensed that um I would be a good harpist and she always said later on that she never had any idea that I would become a professional she just thought that I would take to it really well and it would be something that I would enjoy. Um, so really fortuitous moment. And if it wasn't for that moment, I probably wouldn't be be playing the harp. Now, if it wasn't for her, I certainly wouldn't be playing the harp because yeah. she really, really helped me out with an instrument getting started and um, even loaned my parents some money to buy my first pedal harp, not this one. Um, so yeah, a really incredible moment for that. And I'm really, really grateful for it well for some reason all the harpers that i've spoken to had these interesting stories really um and and not not even the same type of story but very interesting how they came to play the harp it must be a magical instrument yeah honestly yeah it Mm. really is i can't think of a better job than i think i think with all the harpers having different stories it's not necessarily one of those instruments that they offer you at school unless you're in Wales in Wales they do that quite a lot but in in school you learn if you're lucky to have a music program at school we actually didn't but um they usually offer piano violin flute all these things so if you end up on the harp you've probably taken a little bit of a maybe a wiggly route to get there not the standard one um but it's nice it means everyone has their own different yeah. parts and it's really and, lovely to hear and it's you know the thing is also you can get the harp and that's all fine and well but you know there's not always a teacher around you know to find yeah. a harp teacher it's not like I think piano teachers and violin teachers are more um uh, you know available in in towns but or in cities but but in small towns it's really um, I think it's also that to take into consideration. Yeah, and that is that's a really, really um, big point, particularly about the harp. I think it's becoming more and more widespread, I think, which is absolutely amazing. Um, but when I was learning, I started with my first teacher who was quite close by, but then as we progressed and she retired for the fourth time, um, <laughs> we ended up having to travel quite far. I think it was an hour and a half each way to my next harp teacher which 
three hours travel for a, one heart lesson on a school night after after you've done a whole day of school is quite a lot and um when I, I I teach as well and it was really important to me to make sure that harpists particularly where I grew up in a really rural area had um access to the harp so I actually even pre-pandemic was doing quite a lot of online lessons um with some aspiring harpists in my hometown just because there was a bit of a void of um access to harps and harpists there and um that's been really lovely and then obviously since the pandemic it's become the norm that lots of people oh, have yeah. online lessons anyway mm -hmm. but that's a great tool because suddenly people who didn't have a harp teacher close by can pick one off the internet and yeah. it, there we yeah. go and it works really well yeah. well well done to your parents for that commitment as well because i mean i'm i'm a mum and i know you know how it is when you have children and you have to take them to all their activities and if it's driving you this distance to play the harp uh, then but you must have had the a real passion for it for them to to see it you know and to, and to want to help you with that yeah definitely um my parents were a massive massive support to my musical career and actually i have three siblings um who were all musical as well none of them became professional musicians but I have really vivid memories. We had a um, old VW van, and we'd all go around our music lessons with our dinner in our a packed dinner to go, and we'd go to one music lesson, and we'd do our homework in the van, and then we'd switch around. So I don't know how they did it, coordinating it all. I think they were coordinating something like twelve music lessons and probably about six orchestras between us all um but it was fun and we made it work but definitely without my parents definitely wouldn't be here that was well I think, a really yeah. amazing support that they gave me I, I hear yeah. that a lot from from musicians you know that they said that they thank their parents because I think parents do have play a big role um yeah. in in either motivating or just giving those opportunities you know to to be able to do that but now, um, the harp that you had when you were 10, was that, mm -hmm. that in a smaller size then for you? Yes, yeah. So I started on what's called the lever harp. Um, the best way I describe it is it looks a little bit like the harp on the Guinness logo. It's kind of a little bit oh, smaller. Okay. Um, yeah. It's got a fewer strings. Um, no pedals the harp concert harp has pedals at the bottom as well mm. um and that's what i started on um i still play um the harp that i started on now it's a really? beautiful instrument its own right and used used for celtic music um folk music that kind of thing it's got a lovely um bright sound most of the time um but then after that because of its size and because it doesn't have the pedals which allows for more access to more notes basically um you can't really play it in orchestra it doesn't carry so oh, wow. um after about four or five years of playing the, the lever harp i then switched to the pedal harp um so that i could explore a few more opportunities um play all the really big exciting harp repertoire that's out there and um play in orchestra but that's quite a common path i think for a lot mm. of harpists that they start on a small lever harp in transition mm -hmm. not everyone does 
some people start straight from pedal harp. My own harp teacher, I think she did that. She's never played the small harp really? straight onto the big one. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think I'm quite a small person. I think me at 10 years old would have struggled, oh, okay. <laughs> struggled <laughs> with a big harp. <laughs> So then you you went to a music college or or how where did you get your further education? Yeah, so I was really really lucky to um, go to a music school for sixth form. So that's when I'm sixteen years old. Usually in the UK, you go to um, a university level about eighteen, but I went to a school called Tutum School of Music in Manchester where actually I um, was a roommate with one of the other um, musicians that you've interviewed, Rebecca. That's where we met. We were roommates oh, at yeah, boarding school. With the, um, the, organist, the, the early yeah, organist. Yeah, yeah. Oh, organist. Yeah, see. exactly. So yeah. we both um, went there when we were 16 and 17 through to 18. That was an amazing experience. When I went there, I wasn't 100% sure that I wanted to be a musician and was kind of keeping... A mm. medical career on the, on the sidelines as well so a lot was going on at that time mm. um but uh around about 17 18 I just decided that actually um music was really for me it was something that really touched my soul and then I studied at um Trinity Laban Conservatoire of Music and Dance which is in Greenwich in London and that's just beautiful oh, there mm. um I had the same heart teacher Gabriella Delalio, she's an incredible international harp superstar. Um, she uh, was with me both at Cheatham's in Manchester and then at Trinity in London. So I had six really, really amazing years with her and um, oh, her most of my harp, harp talent and harp prowess all comes from her wisdom and guidance there. Really, really amazing. It's it's all this is also something I hear a lot, and that is the, the admiration for the teachers, you know, for your teachers that uh that guide you, motivate you. And I think I, over the lockdown period, I've also heard how many teachers motivated these students and you know helped them through this time. But I want to ask you now, so this is very interesting that you're saying that you had a medical career also in mind. Um, because I actually spoke to a conductor in America who um, studied a medicine and in his final year, he made that switch to become a conductor. And I find this very interesting, this uh, connection of the interest for science and music as well, you know? Yeah, I think it's... um... It's quite a strong one, and I'm not. I'm really not sure why. Science and music and math and music seems to be a very common, yeah. um, common area. I don't particularly know why. I know that my, I think my harp teacher also had a big interest in physics before she became a, a harpist. Really? So, yeah, yeah, definitely a common one. Um, I don't have much insight into that. I guess. In music, you're often, particularly classical music, you're thinking about a lot of things, analysing how it, how things are travelling. I don't know if that's something that kind of clicks into that side of the analytical mind. Um, my heart teacher always would talk about mimicking the physics of nature in your playing. So when you're thinking about slowing down, don't just slow down anyhow you like. Think about a ball rolling to a stop. 
and try and mimic that force of physics within your music and see what you see around you in the world bringing into your music I don't know if that's that's the link between it but um that connection always feels very strong to me um don't have more insights insights why but it's a really really interesting observation and maybe someone should do some research into it more yeah no but but uh, uh, this is really why I'm I'm sort of I have this wish that that could be that in schools that um art you know all forms of art are taught uh, alongside math science and science because I think they are very connected and even if it's just in the language you know even if it's just to to understand uh the different disciplines you know um through uh, studying the different disciplines then you know how amazing is that so during your training of course you you mm-hmm. had to have this um you you training because you want to be a professional uh, musician um what was your idea then to to be um do you wanted to be part of an orchestra because harp is not um i assume not all orchestras use harpists yeah that's that's very true so um unlike a violin you'll always see a violin in an orchestra um harps aren't always there so sometimes orchestras will have full-time harp positions but um the harpist won't be used all the time um Sometimes they don't have a harpist at all affiliated with the orchestra and they'll get someone in every time. Obviously, they have regular freelancers that they'll bring in, but some don't have a, a permanent position for um, for harpists. I um, really enjoyed uh, solo performance and also small chamber groups. Um, I played quite a lot in uh, flute and harp duo and then flute, harp and viola um, during my training. So I think maybe around three years into my musical training, I was thinking that would be the path that I would take. But I it's kind of evolved over the years. And I think um, as I studied, I was exploring more and more avenues and listening to lots of different music outside of the traditional classical that you might imagine a full-time harpist um, would listen to and that actually took me on several different paths at the moment I'm going down a lot of them <laughs> and seeing what sticks I always think at the beginning of your career you should um, explore as many options as possible and see what happens um, so at the moment I'm doing a real mixed bag of lots of things which is amazing I'm doing quite a lot of pop stuff which um I really, really love. I think the harp has been used in some really amazing pop songs over the last um, last few years, and oh. it's really interesting to do that um, and explore that avenue. I've done some recording, um, some orchestral work, some weddings, all sorts of things going on there. So it can be a real mixed bag. Um, of things that you do and I think actually I'm really enjoying where I'm at with having a exciting varied freelance career where um you're doing lots of things at once um if you'd asked me that six years ago 10 years ago even (laughs) um that might not be what I had in mind but um actually it's been really really lovely and I think um when I look at the most successful musicians actually a lot of them aren't 
just doing one thing only, no. very blinkered. They're, they've got a really rich portfolio of different things to do and uh, teaching. And that's really exciting mm. that you can have this really varied life where you're crossing over lots of different paths and meeting yeah. lots of different people. And yeah, it's wonderful for me. Well, um, I spoke to a cellist just the other day from New York and he said the same thing, you know, that he said that um, he does different things and, and um, you know, he actually plays the cello like a guitar, but but he he's doing different genres as well. And he said that, uh, that it's wonderful that musicians do that. And I think so too, because you have to, um, I think uh, what I've realized now after speaking to many young musicians is, uh, you know, y- your your qualification or your st- after you've studied is no guarantee that, you know, that y- you'll have a career. It, it's you who have to now go and find out what it is that you want and, and uh, you know, what uh, um, opportunities you're going to use. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's no guidebook for that necessarily. So yeah, yeah, I think you just have to be very open to what comes. And when I first graduated, my biggest rule was to just 100% give my best and create beautiful music, no matter where I was. So if someone gave me a gig playing three hours in a hotel foyer, I would play my heart out. And I met so many amazing, interesting people there. And actually, when I was um, studying at sixth form, my director of music said, I once played a concert and there were like four people turned up. One of them ended up being one of the most influential people and opened so many doors to me. And I think it's really important to me. I love the harp. I love music. And I just think even if the gig doesn't feel like it's where you want to be or if it's not the most dazzling wowing gig in the world I think it's just really important to create beautiful things and do your absolute best and you never know um, where those things lead and it's really really exciting to do that but always creating music from the heart is my absolute Mm -hmm. number one number one thing to try and do. Oh, that's that's wonderful, and I think also uh, d- playing different genres, of course, gets you to play for different audiences, and then uh, connecting with different people. So that must be wonderful. Yeah, yeah, really, really wonderful. Um, I try and do as much as as possible, um, mm-hmm. and I'm always really open to it. I um, love just listening. Listening is one of my big 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 strengths I think it's always been since I was tiny and Mm -hmm. I have this thing where I just put the radio on when I'm driving and I'll never switch over I'll listen to something and even if I think oh I really hate this song I'll start listening more and thinking well there's going to be something in here that that you can latch onto and actually when you start listening to all the layers of different genres you realize oh that bit was, was so interesting even if you didn't love it as a whole you can latch on to all these different little bits and I think whenever I'm listening to a new genre I try and go in with that frame of mind of what can I find about this that I really do love and then suddenly it starts kind of opening up new doors for me so um I've played all sorts of things I obviously play classical I do pop um I really love exploring 
music from different cultures. So um, I delved into some Mexican harp music and, and explored Paraguayan harp techniques. Um, and I've also um, really, really, really enjoyed diving into some Syrian music. There's um, wow. a mm -hmm. player called Maya Youssef who kind of plays the Syrian harp. Um, she creates some really, really wonderful things. And just hearing what she does on her instrument and thinking, oh, can I do that on mine? How does that mm. work? What sounds do we have that are common? What sounds do we have that are really mm. different? And what could this harp do instead of that? That's so exciting to me to kind of delve into and get to the core and see if the cool things are the same on our instruments or if there's something else to offer. I really, really love, love that about oh. all different genres. <laughs> Yeah, well, you you seem to have this freedom in you that you you feel you can explore all these things, but I wonder if there is uh, under uh, um, musicians and you know you you trained at at the college where there are people all the, the the students who are going to be professional musicians, and of course uh, I'm sure you all you know aspire to. Uh, maybe playing an orchestra as well and and so on but um is there a some sort of snobbishness um in 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 <laughs> classical music to say that okay so i'm not playing pure classical music so um for that reason i'm can't be called a classical musician i'm smiling i should i shouldn't smile because i think Unfortunately, I think there still is a little bit, not everywhere, but if I said I, I hadn't encountered that completely, I would definitely not be being truthful there. I think there can be a little bit of snobbery still. And in some cases, there are people I know who are, if I don't get a position in an orchestra, I won't play again because it's not like, it's not worth it. It's an orchestra or nothing for me or if this doesn't happen, then that's it. If you don't follow this path, it's not pure classical music. And I think um, whilst that is still the case, some some places I think it is shifting quite a lot, um, which I'm really thankful for. I think that people um, realise that actually they're more interlinked than you would think. There are things that you learn in classical music you can take and they're in pop and vice versa there are things that you hear and things aren't quite so clear cut um so i would like to think and like to hope that it's on a gig trajectory where actually people are more open to these things and perhaps less judgmental about taking a non-conventional path and mm. um yeah we'll we'll see how that goes but it does take quite a lot of um courage i think to step out and yeah. do different things there are always people who um don't like it um particularly there's a harpist that I really love called Emily Hopkins who does harp and electronics which are absolutely amazing and she gets comments on YouTube people saying how dare you defile the sound really? of the harp <laughs> the harp should only be beautiful um why on earth would you do this and that that's even people outside of the classical music scene. So imagine what um, people who have had their hearts set on harp and orchestra are like. But um, 
I think there are people like that who are being so brave and stepping out and I try to do that too and I think we're creating an, a new future of music yeah. where classical music is fused with pop music where it's fused with R&B fused with jazz we've got all these different things at our fingertips so why not why put ourselves in a box um the classical musicians of their time obviously didn't because when Mozart's contemporaries were playing Mozart they were playing the music of the day the really exciting stuff at the forefront um it's only now that we look back and think of classical music as being historic and being hundreds of years old so I think um the more that people grasp onto doing what they can that feels relevant to them today the better for everyone really yeah well I think it's always brave if you do something that's uh, different you know something mm. that uh, other people say well it can't be done and you can can do it and actually I spoke to a, um, I think it was a music professor who said that uh, it was only a few years ago where where it was really um, sort of uh, this divide between musicians who played in an orchestra and musicians who were freelance you know that the freelancers mm. had sort of a bad rep and um, and that changed completely, you know, that that, that changed. Uh, and, and so all this will possibly change. And I wonder if the pandemic also had something to do with that, you know, that people were at home and thinking, uh, thinking about the instrument, thinking about the music and just wanting to really create music. Yeah, I I think that probably does have something to do with it. And I think in a way, um, the pandemic kind of took away all of our structures, didn't it? It took away whether you were a musician who has a full-time tenure in an orchestra or whether you're just a music graduate starting out. Suddenly we were all at home (laughs) with our instruments um, without so much to do, without someone telling us where to be and what what we should play and what to do. And suddenly everyone kind of came back to um just them and the instrument in the purest form and I think that probably did change a lot of people's um thinking about their instruments I know musicians who actually decided they wanted to walk away from from being a musician and it took the pandemic and coming out of almost I don't want to call it the rat race but we all have the um just doing one thing and then the next don't we so I know musicians who have walked away I know musicians who have stepped into a different genre completely and I know musicians who had the pandemic and realized what they were doing before with absolutely what they loved and have gone back into it with new zeal but I do think the pandemic has forever changed all of us um, for better for worse Um, and I think it probably has had a big part to play in musicians exploring things um, that they might not have done before because they've had the space to do that. And um, there's not been one right way to do something. I, I have certainly felt a lot of freedom that I could. I did a series of online concerts and we picked a theme. Um, so we had Around the World or movies and I was just learning lovely film scores one week and then um diving into music from India the next week and it was really really liberating just to 
oh. be able to play those things and actually not feel like I have to learn that thing because I've got that concert coming up where they're paying me to play that and I need to do this thing because that's coming up and um yeah no it was really really lovely the lovelier moment of being a musician in the pandemic obviously there were yeah. definitely some downsides as well but I like to focus on the highlights <laughs> But, you know, no, but actually, this is what a lot of musicians said, you know, is that they had they mm. felt they had the freedom. And, you know, uh, I spoke to a pianist in, in New York who said that, you know, it was he played repertoire that he hasn't played for years, you know, and he mm. had the freedom to do that because it wasn't something that he had to study for a recording or a performance or sound so i i uh, i think you know this is this is something that i hear quite a lot but now um tell me glenda what would your advice be to a 10 year old glenda when you started playing the harp if you can go my, my advice <laughs> to a 10 year old glenda i think to enjoy enjoy being a musician and be unashamed about it it sounds really silly but um where I grew up very few people were musicians we didn't have a music program particularly at school we did have a, a little band in high school for a little while but by the time I left my high school they'd actually um gotten rid of music a level which is 16 to 80 and I had to self-study for my a level um they didn't wow. offer it anymore um I don't even know if they did music GCSE at that point when I left so it was really really not a musical environment I have really vivid vivid memories of um being teased on the bus going to orchestra and things like that and it was really hard to be a musician and people just did not get it at all um and I remember just thinking like I'm getting up I'm practicing I'm not going to so-and-so's party because I've got orchestra or I'm not going to this because I've got a competition and at times it felt really really difficult um I think a lot of musicians can relate to that because it's something that you have to start working hard at very early on I think a lot of musicians do so I think for my 10 year old self I'd say that you absolutely love music so keep doing it it doesn't matter that it's not cool or that no one else is doing it um fast forward um a couple of decades and you'll be um living your best life really really enjoying it doing something that you're passionate about every day and that's something that you're really lucky mm -hmm. to have so I think wow, this is this is yeah. amazing advice <laughs> yeah that is true that we, we when when we're that age we don't see and also the the enjoying it you know I think it's always mm -hmm. this um also working towards something you sometimes don't enjoy the moment where you are you know so um mm -hmm. yeah now this is wonderful advice but now and now what are your um your wishes for the future so my wishes for the future i really really hope first and foremost that i never lose passion for the heart um that's my that's my biggest biggest hope for everything i really really love the instrument I think it's such a beautiful instrument there are so many new things that you can find all the time and I hope I never lose that um passion practically I think I would really really like to step into doing um 
more maybe more recording work more collaboration work with some um bigger artists maybe getting the harp even more mainstream because at the moment it still feels quite an niche instrument you don't see it everywhere most people probably have never seen a harp in their lives lots of people don't know what it is people often ask me is that a cello really <laughs> is that yeah always, no often people ask and I say no it's a harp and they say harp what's a harp um <laughs> I've had that conversation probably 50 times um so I would really love to be an advocate for the harp in different spaces um I'd love to work with some big artists it would be amazing to play for someone like Beyonce that would be incredible um but yeah I think first and foremost keep the passion that's um, the, the most, most important thing to me. And I think when you're doing that and you continually pursue that, I think even if it takes some time, I think you're gonna always end up in a really beautiful place, hopefully. That's what I like to think anyway, wow. to keep the passion, work hard and pursue it. Well, you've got such have lovely things. energy and <laughs> I'm sure um, Beyonce should call, uh, contact you. <laughs> yeah, if she's watching this, she can uh, give yeah. me a call, definitely. <laughs> I'll be on the next one. <laughs> I have forever in my car singing along to her, so that would be a, yeah, that would be a good yeah. one. Well, uh, many, many uh, people uh, who made wish wishes on my channel, their wishes came true. So, you know. Never know. You, knows, you'll, have to, you'll have to let me know what happened. <laughs> yeah, if, if that happens, we can do a yeah. reconnect and do another one of these. <laughs> no, but I think it's it's wonderful, and and your your um, you know, you have the right energy. I think you will still um develop and and explore, and and this is what I love. Uh, what you are talking about, you know, like you you going and thinking about different genres and playing different things and experiments. And that's, I think, you know, this is, the future is yours, you know, mm -hmm. so, so what can you still achieve? What, you know, because you've, you've done already so much, but, um, oh, you still have to do a shout out, please do a, a, Can you do a shout out for your favorite restaurant or coffee shop? I absolutely can. I don't even have to think about that one. Okay. My favourite restaurant, um, probably of all time, is Unity Diner um, yeah. in London. It's an incredible non-profit restaurant um, that's also linked with an animal sanctuary. They do completely vegan plant-based food. It is incredible, um, amazing, amazing food, whether you eat meat whether you don't the food is just amazing um mm. the vibe is amazing um I took my meat loving family there and they were literally blown away but really? you could create such beautiful things um mm. without having any meat and to quote my boyfriend you go in and it just feels like a really cool normal restaurant it just has a lo lovely vibe to it everyone's amazing they do absolutely incredible things with food i don't know how they do it i've tried to replicate it at home a hundred times it doesn't work so if you're ever in london you absolutely have to go unity diner it's just incredible really really my, lovely. my son is in london i'm going to call him just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's amazing they do where, where are fish. they yeah. where where is this restaurant in london they're in oldgate east so quite central a little bit east 
um and it's very accessible um really really quick to get there not far from the tube mm-hmm. station but their big one is toe fish and chips so fish and clip chips is obviously the british mm-hmm. classic um but the way they do it is just incredible i i've never seen okay. anything like no, it I'll, yeah i'll also i'll also go when i go to the <laughs> i'll go and have yeah, yeah. But um, it was so lovely to talk to you, Glenda. I w- um, I hope you come to uh, Vienna one day. Yeah, that would be really, really yeah. lovely. Um, obviously, loads of musical history in Vienna as well, yeah. isn't that? They're really, really, really beautiful. But um, Glenda, it was so lovely to talk to you, and um, I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you. So, so lovely to be on here, and thank you. Um, Wishing you all the best as well. Thank you very much. Have a lovely afternoon. Bye. Thank you. Bye.